0: decision-making in the internet age. This particular topic can be a broad one depending on how you approach the content but for our purposes today we're really going to focus in on what this means for you as a business owner and from a more business lens though of course a lot of what we cover today I would say makes sense for personal use as well. So you will see some examples of how just ethical behavior online makes sense for us as individuals in our personal lives, but of course, as businesses as well. So before we jump into our content today, I just wanted to introduce myself properly. My name is Natalia Ronceria Seballos. I am a Prestamos CDFI Business Advisor and have been with the Prestamos team now for nearly five years. Um, We have a whole array of services that are provided through our technical assistance platform at Prestamos CDFI, Chicanos por la Causa. And if this is the first time or one of the uh, first times, I guess I should say, that you are chiming in, listening to any of our content or connecting with us, I highly recommend you check out our website and our additional content. We have a whole host of different expertise available to help businesses of all sizes, uh, shapes and sizes, I should say. And also, I just want to be explicit about the fact that our webinar is being recorded today. Uh, That is just important that everyone know this will remain online and is recorded. So anything that is shared will be part of the presentation as well that stays online. And of course, you can always come back and view this again and also share it out after the fact as well. So just again, another reminder that this will be online after the fact and we are hosting the same topic at 12 o'clock today at noon in Spanish language, which will also be saved online on our website as well, should you want to share that out or view it after the fact. So let's get into our content for today. And again, just a reminder that you can feel free to ask questions or provide any insight throughout the presentation today in the chat function, though we will have some time at the very end, specifically for Q&A. All right, so let's get started here. Ethical decision-making in the internet age. Where do we start when we're approaching this particular subject, which again could be pretty broad and a lot of things could fall under this umbrella depending on how we want to approach the topic. But as I mentioned at the onset, we really are going to be focusing in on what does this mean for you as a business owner and for your business as a brand online. But I always think it's good to start at our roots in a sense, to go back to a core meaning. Um, this particular word, ethical, like all elements of language, really of, has evolved over time. Meaning, the language that we use today is different than the language that we used 100 years ago, 200 years ago. We continue to evolve and certain words and certain principles or concepts start to take on more importance in different eras than maybe they did at earlier times. And that's exactly what we see with this particular word, ethical or ethics. It is considered an adjective. And at the most base level, if you were to look up in Webster's Dictionary, you would see the definition that you see on screen. So really, when we're talking about ethical behavior or ethical decision making or anything that is ethical, we're really talking about. Moral principles or relating to a certain batch of moral principles or a value system Um, in a very simple way you could say that this is a What is right and what is wrong type of behavior now that in itself can be arguable depending on where you are in the world There are some basic sort of agreed upon behaviors that we all say, you know, this is right and this is wrong, but there's nuance in there as well. So at a very basic level, you could just say it is making decisions based off of understanding what is considered correct and what's considered incorrect behavior. And this is in your everyday life. This isn't just online, of course. But examples also of ethical behavior in a workplace, for example, are things like obeying the company's rules, right? Every every company, every business has some set of rules and regulations to follow. Some are formal, meaning we've got them written down, they are in an employee handbook, something like that but there are informal rules and regulations that we follow as well. A lot of times this falls into the culture arena. What is the culture of the place that I work at? What are are our norms? What are the things that people expect in terms of behavior that may or may not actually be formally written down as part of our, again, like employee handbook or something like that? And that could be even something as simple, I'll use a simple example as, don't eat someone else's lunch in that's in the shared refrigerator. <laughs> now that might seem sort of trivial, right? Um, but we could say ethical behavior, an ethical decision is to not eat someone else's food, even if it's not labeled, even if it doesn't have a sign saying, don't eat me, this isn't common food. It's one of those informal but shared rules, sort of social rules that that we might all adhere to in the workplace. And I think we can all find examples in our own lives of something as trivial as that, for example, the the eating of someone else's food that has actually been a really big issue for a team or for a a particular workplace. Um, And when someone doesn't follow that rule, then, oh, that's a big to do. Um, Other type of examples of like a workplace ethical behavior could be even things like effective communication, meaning how do we speak to each other? Um, A lot of times, right, professional behavior or professionalism, especially in the United States, if not North America, we consider that to be where we're not, uh, for example, using uh, swear words or slang language in a professional environment, um, also taking responsibility for one's own actions, right, uh, for the, your own work. Accountability is considered ethical behavior in a workplace. You know, are you accountable to your teammates, to the work? Of course, this all falls under also, what is that level of trust and mutual respect for your colleague colleagues at work? And We ideally want this kind of environment because we want people to be able to trust each other. We want people to have mutual respect. In the end, this just bodes well for, frankly, our business's bottom line. So that's ethical in its core sense when we're talking about ethics or what is ethical. And when we talk about ethical decision-making, I've already used a lot of examples, but just to really hone in on this concept, I wanted to give the definition around ethical decision-making that I think is a really nice summary of this, which is a decision that engenders trust. It indicates responsibility, fairness, and caring to an individual. So really to be ethical, you must demonstrate respect and responsibility. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Well, this can go awry easily if we are not being intentional across the board. And we see examples of ethical decision-making by companies day in and day out. And especially in this past year, we've seen a lot of different examples of companies having opportunities to step up and to make some calls that you could say would land in the ethical decision making space but just to give you some examples of what also could be considered for a business or a corporation a an ethical decision um there's an example actually pretty recently costco i think uh, most of us know the big brand costco they're a huge employer They actually, in uh, just a little over a year ago, in May of 2019, reported uh, about $34.74 billion in quarterly revenue. And that was actually a growth rate of over 7% from before. So they're doing well. They're trading at a high level at about two hundred and sixty nine dollars a share more or less as of last summer of course this has shifted by now but still it's showing the company is doing well and even though they are not required they could absolutely pay their employees minimum wage and we know that minimum wage is different in different states so they could just say depending on where their setup is their employees in that particular place are going to make the minimum wage for any hourly employee and go from there but what they instead did because they are doing well uh, financially and in the market and they also uh, actually came out and said they realized that they they want to be able to retain not only attract but retain high quality employees and so there also has to be a showcase from the company that they're willing to invest in their employees and pay them a higher than average wage so costco raised its base wage from thirteen dollars an hour to fourteen dollars an hour in 2018 and then actually upped it to fifteen dollars an hour in 2019 if you look at the federal minimum average in terms of minimum wage and actually if you were to take the average retail worker in america across the board The average retail worker actually makes between seven dollars and twenty five cents and nine dollars an hour. So you can see even if you were a manager, let's say a department manager in many places, you still would only be making eleven to twelve dollars an hour. Whereas if you were with Costco, you would have a minimum hourly wage of fifteen dollars an hour. This absolutely has helped them retain employees, has been able to um, attract good quality employees as well. And for them, this was an ethical decision to what they say, pay fair wages. So we're not just going to do the minimum. We are going to do what we believe is fair based off of cost of living across the board another one another big example of what could be considered ethical decision making by a business is uh with chipotle actually chipotle mexican grill um hopefully people have heard of chipotle as well here this is actually one of the biggest uh recent success, success stories of a new franchise going big um, but they made a commitment to animal w- welfare now this is a little bit of um how should i say it's a good example of where if you are going to make a certain a certain statement as a business, especially when it comes down to something that falls into um, what one could consider a value system or a value base, which this particular one with Chipotle, um, deciding that they wanted to uh, support right or commit, I should say, to animal welfare, on one end, bodes really well for them. Um, They have been very intentional about advertising that they will only purchase a certain type of pork, for example. And they received um, an award, actually, um, for efforts to buy ethically raised meat. And they were the first, actually, I believe, American company to win the it's called the Good Sow Commendation and Pig Welfare for Compassion and World Farming Award. And yes, they're actually the only American company that won that particular award um, in 2019. That said, though, because they have themselves held themselves to that standard. They also have gotten some backlash from animal activists who have made claims that while maybe they are doing that with, let's say, the sourcing of their pork, they're not doing the same thing with the sourcing of their chicken, for example. And so this is one example that I think that shows you that if you are going to adopt a higher standard in, the mar- in a marketplace, even Costco, right, adopted a higher standard in their example, if you're going to do that and you're going to promote that and in this day and age online then also know that customers will judge you by those standards so they are going to hold you to those higher standards and they will find ways right or they will look for um examples of when you are not holding yourself as a business and as a brand to that standard that you set or they will challenge you, right? They will push you if they feel a decision didn't quite fit that standard. So this is one of those elements where you need to be very clear on why um, your company is making certain statements or why you want to uphold certain standards that again might be considered a little higher than the norm or the average um, or your sort of baseline expectation from the public. So I've already mentioned a bit of what does this mean for you and your business online. But there are unique considerations that I want everyone here to be able to walk away from this presentation going, "Okay, let me ask myself my brand, my business, these questions and see where I land. And remember that everything that you put online, and I'm going to say this multiple times uh, with with our time today here together, is that. And hopefully it's not new news, right? But that everything you put online lives there forever. Um, It doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just go away. And whether we like it or not, especially if you're a small business owner, even though these days it kind of doesn't matter if you're affiliated with the business, if you're in a leadership role, especially if you're at the helm, if you're the CEO, if you're the founder, if you are the president, then Even if you have personal presence online, what you say personally can easily and probably will be linked back to your business brand. So you are your brand. You are your business, kind of whether you like it or not, especially in the online space. And just this element of once it's out there, it's out there and it can live forever is so critical and so crucial these days even though again it's not new news we continue to see brands companies businesses of all shapes and sizes make missteps in this arena and inevitably have to play cleanup if possible although we know that some brands just are annihilated online with too big of a misstep Um, so again just driving those points home to really consider if what you are putting online is accurate, honest, and wholly in line with your brand. So let's look at some examples. I know this is a bit of a busy slide here, but we're going to take a little time to go through these because I think these are really uh, straightforward and easy to keep in mind considerations when thinking about what do I do from a business lens online in terms of what could be considered ethical decision making, ethical behavior. And frankly, etiquette is part of that as well. So these concepts that you see on screen are what initially are considered sort of for society as a whole. And as I mentioned at the onset of our presentation today, a lot of the behavior online, is not going to necessarily differ from what you would consider doing in person and this is for you as an individual and also for you as a business online so in these days and these times there's actually a term that is being used for how you how you present yourself online and what kind of behavior you you actually take part in online as well and it's called netiquette <laughs> so just like etiquette but with an in so netiquette like the net um and i just think that's that's a fun and easy way to think about what's my netiquette right and if you see in these uh in this slide as well they also talk about netizens instead of citizens we're netizens but right off the bat first and foremost and i think this is probably again not super new news but recognizing that the internet really is just an extension of our society that this isn't some platform that completely disconnects us from the rest of the world in terms of what is okay uh, in terms of behavior all of that Um, so it's that element, It, you know, would you say that to someone in real life, as we call it, even though the internet is real life as well. So I don't even like saying that. I'll just say in person. And this particular area could potentially, if if you even as an individual, as a business owner, you might, I'm not even going to say you might, I'm going to assume you do have your own belief systems, you have your own personal opinions, and we live in a time where comment threads are blowing up, where people choose to provide their opinion on something, and perhaps even a very forceful and lewd way, or whatever the case may be, in comment threads, But once it's out there, it's out there. So again, I would stop and take a breath and say, before you respond to something in an angry way or incensed way, or before you get into some kind of online internet battle with someone, to take a breath and go, would I do this in in person? Would I do this with this person in person? Um, And then even if I would, even if I would say these things, take another breath and go, could this negatively impact my business because again for our purposes today that's the lens we really want to use and frankly it's just reality that we might have personal opinions we want to share but they could very much create negative backlash for our business and if we're not willing to accept those consequences then I would say hey take a breath and maybe don't get into that online battle <laughs> or don't make that comment in the way that you have planned to this goes actually right into this next element of apply the same standards online as we do in public. So this is huge in terms of as a society, we have collectively said we are against things like hate speech, um, child exploitation, copyright violations, theft, you know, all of those kinds of things. So that of course means the same thing online. And this is also where I go, hey, anything legal, right? Laws still pertain to us online as well. So again, from the lens of a business, especially I'm going to underscore this copyright violation element or theft element. It can be very easy to almost unknowingly use someone else's imagery or content on our own platforms without giving proper uh, how should I say proper credit and that is one that can get us into definitely into some hot water and I would say to be ethical would be to confirm what am I using online and for what reason and do I have the okay to use these images to use this content etc and then of course bullying is bullying so that's where again i go think twice if not thrice (laughs) about what you are going to say and how you're going to say it online you also as the business though do not need to pull up put up with bullying so i want to call that out as well because a lot of times especially in the united states if not canada as well and perhaps you could argue throughout north america but definitely in the united states we very much function as businesses from the lens of the customer is always right and that's how we are trained to function as customers as well so what's important here though is if you are getting harassed um, unnecessarily abused online or bullied by a disgruntled customer um, you do not have to put up with that as well and you can absolutely block that or try to find ways to mitigate that online though caveat here is again don't get into debates with said type of individual don't stoop to their level as they say right you still need to take a bit of a higher road but you don't have to put up with that kind of harassment either and then really acknowledging cultural differences i wanted to touch on this because this is still very much a problem that we see across brands. And again, it kind of doesn't matter the shape or size of the business, but I caution to really think about if you're entering a cultural appropriation space, when picking certain imagery or thinking about certain types of content or messaging you're going to create for your online platforms. This especially can get into the arena of advertising. Um, You really wanna be more in the cultural appreciation space which is at the baseline level again, showing respect to an image or an expression or a custom that has its roots in a different culture and also know when is something sacred? When should I not use certain imagery because that's actually sacred imagery. Um, And so you have to do a little bit more homework a little bit more digging for that. But again, it's this element of respecting the fact that we are not all homogenous online, but as a business also wanting to ensure that whatever you are using to promote products, programming, services, whatever it may be, is, again, not getting into that a cultural appropriation space. Now, a couple of things, as you saw, that was sort of society as a whole. So my point is that's from a business lens what we just covered. But of course, individuals, right, just us as people can also adhere to those standards, but specifically for a business, I wanted to be sure to call these two elements out as well for your online engagement. First off is that if you do have a team, if you do have employees or perhaps you're not there yet and you're considering or that's where you want to grow, you want to be able to hire people, you want to be able to grow a team. Well, you're going to have to take into consideration what is the behavior that you expect from your employees online when they are functioning for your business and representing your business online and then you have to respect that they're private citizens as well and if there is the potential that their personal their personal behavior their personal decision making online could impact their employment for example then that needs to be ideally that needs to be written out that needs to be very clear and explicit for your employees as well now you cannot tell your employees ah let me take this back businesses are a little different so it really depends what kind of business you have if you happen to have a business where you require employees to deal with highly sensitive information and they have to sign you know non-disclosure agreements or things along those lines then you might have more ability to also have them sign some kind of agreement in terms of what's the expectation of even their own personal online behavior or online decision making when they are not representing the business, when they are just using the internet as individuals. But if you are like most businesses where that's not really the case, and really, let's say we just have hourly employees, these are retail type of employees, then you need to be clear that the business might not tolerate any kind of hate speech or any kind of speech online that would really go against the values of the company But beyond that, you really can't monitor what they do necessarily. Um, And then, of course, offline is offline. (laughs) So what people do in their personal and private lives and especially offline is exactly that personal and private. But then also what's a really good practice as a business is. Taking steps to ensure that you are communicating to your customers when they come to your platforms. This could be your website. This could even be social media platforms. This could be your selling platforms. What are their options in terms of being able to either share or guard their respective information? So normally what we do as companies is we ask for contact information from individuals who might come to our website or uh, for customers in general or we might collect certain types of customer data and information to again help us inform decisions down the road on perhaps new service offerings new product lines what do they really want all of these things but you need to be very clear how are we using this information who has access to this information and if they don't want to provide it give them that option as well and let them know also if they choose to revoke their information at some point in time how could they do that there are different ways that you can go about this um, online and also not online but i think again think about your company think about uh, your business and what you offer to your customers and how you could help to provide some additional information Um, That, again, helps them see clearly how they can either remove their information from something. Um, Let me give you a a very simple example here is, for example, an e-newsletter. Any e-newsletter that you receive, you should very clearly, either at the top of the newsletter, at the bottom of the newsletter, or perhaps even in both places, the option to unsubscribe from the newsletter or to change your settings Uh, some entities send multiple newsletters or newsletters with specific content and will provide the option to select what do i want to receive from you what do i don't want to receive from you and and the ability to update that at any point in time so even something that simple, that's actually something that you have to do. FYI, if you do have an e-newsletter, you have to provide an unsubscribe link. And you also have to provide uh, the information of where you got that person's information from um, as well, uh, easily visible. And what I mean by that is it doesn't doesn't have to be specific. Like I got your information, John Smith, from you know this particular date and time but more you have to have a boilerplate statement saying that you're receiving this newsletter because and then it's either you signed up on our website you were referred you were whatever the case may be all the ways that they could have potentially gotten their information to you and then you have to give them the option to unsubscribe so that right there would be an ethical decision it seems simple but from a business lens that's an ethical decision for your for online engagement Letting people unsubscribe or subscribe clearly and easily, um, not burying that information in some hard to find FAQ, you know, frequently asked questions arena or whatever the case may be. So let's dive in a little bit more now. And again, if you have any questions or suggestions or insight, please feel free to add that to the chat as we keep going. But. Again, this element of I want you to ask yourself always, like, how do I engage online? And this goes back to not only how do I engage as an individual, but how do I engage as a business owner and how do I engage as my business from the brand lens itself? Are you combative or angry when you receive negative reviews? You know, are you that little that little person on the right with the blow horn? Um, is it very easy for you to get riled up? Uh, do you become defensive online when you, again, receive a maybe not so stellar review or a question that is formatted in a bit of a, uh, uh, honestly, a bit of an angry manner, right? The tone of the question already could be a setup where you're feeling like this isn't going to go well or this person already has a chip on their shoulder. How do you respond to those? Um Think about, again, the fact that it doesn't bode well for us as a business to get into an argument or a battle with a customer online. And these days, certain platforms, uh, Yelp is a good example, Facebook has this as well, though uh, they don't allow you to get rid of negative reviews easily. I should say there are always cases where, again, if you are getting what is called trolled, right, if you are getting bullied as the business and there really is no rhyme or reason to to it, like it is just it is um, once again, you're getting bullied, then there could be ways to to go about getting certain things removed, blocking certain individuals. You know, there's a whole process to that. But more so what we see is business owners responding defensively to online reviews. Um, and the worst are usually when it's like, that wasn't true at all, right? And so and so saw you when you were here and did that didn't happen. And that didn't go down like that. And little line like arguing about what happened. or And some things might be total fabrications. And always here. This is when I go step back take a breath, consider the tone of the response. You don't have to say you are right and we're going to make it up to you if you really know that it's an incorrect statement, right? Or review. But you also don't need to call that person an idiot or say that, you know, you're absolutely, you're totally wrong and, you know, we are totally in the right high level professional response saying you're going to look into the matter and then once you do come back and say we've looked into the matter we have come to understand that maybe this is just miscommunication or whatever the case may be and if we're not the right business for you we hope that you find one that is able to suit your needs or something like that you don't even have to invite people back that's the thing there's always ways to say things there's always ways to say things That won't be incendiary, as I say, Um, but this also might mean that you can't just respond in a knee-jerk fashion, that you need to pause, actually probably even consult with your team, and then come back and say, how do we want to deal with this? And the beauty of the online element is that even though it's incredibly dynamic and social media is constant, meaning we're constantly updating, we're constantly seeing new posts and new comments and all of that. We don't have to necessarily respond in a minute or in a second from when we see something, right? We can stop, take a breath, gather our thoughts, consult with someone. How are we going to deal with this particular issue now that's popped up online? Get a strategy in place, and then respond. Also, what is the tone of your messaging and content on your social media channels, on your website, on your selling channels? And what I mean by selling channels is, for example, some entities choose to sell the big one, Amazon, right? But even there are other types of selling channels. There's the Etsy's of the world, for example. Uh, Of course, you can sell directly from your website as well. But what's the tone of the messaging and content there? Does it align with your brand's values? Is the language that's being used uh, something that you would say is respectful and responsible and makes sense. Now we know that there are brands that are more informal right out there and that use language that is more sort of slang or street language and is not super buttoned up or super formal in the way they present themselves. And that's all part of the brand. So that's okay. Again, if that's part of the business, if that's part of the brand, then that's going to make sense to use a little bit of looser language online. Yet there are thresholds. I still would not say get into some kind of online battle or war with an entity unless you are highly skilled or have someone highly skilled at the trolling element and it makes sense for the brand as well. There are a few examples out there that have been able to do this from a business lens But I would still caution you, especially as a small business owner, because, again, even if the brand is, well, let's say, selling adult based products. So, again, this could be where even the type of language or imagery used would not necessarily be considered uh, okay or respectful for a broad audience. But that's okay that's what they're selling that's part of the brand but guess what there's also also ethical decisions to be made in those arenas as well meaning if you have a product or a brand that really is for an 18 plus or 21 plus uh type of audience then does your website have a warning right when people show up to the website or if you've ever gone to any alcohol related websites for example they make you put in your age um, and your birth date now Could someone lie? Could a 13-year-old put in a fake birth date? Sure, of course. But these are methods. These are certain types of thresholds that we can put up as the business showing that we are taking steps, the best steps we can take right now to be able to guard our content from the eyes that maybe shouldn't see it right now. And also to warn, right, to be able to give people a heads up so they can make their proper decisions on whether or not they're going to engage with us. So this can be, you know, warning labels. Again, I mentioned age verification type of elements either on your site. Um, also, we see things like having to uh, confirm via um An email address right okay now we'll give you access go to your email confirm those are other types of methods to just ensure that we are engaging with the right people or that our content is getting into in front of the right audience and we're warning other audiences as well if our content isn't for them and this is big also for parents of course right we think a lot about kids um, and what they can access online and helping parents out. Now another is, and I mentioned this earlier too, but that imagery piece, what imagery are you using online and why? Um, This is an image I pulled just to showcase this, this particular image of the little girl with the heart balloon is actually a pretty famous image by this point in time. And it's artwork by Banksy, which is, um, if you've never heard of Banksy, you can Google Banksy, but uh, uh, an artist who has kept their anonymity Um, but has blown up and gotten a lot of uh, prestige and press um, over the past couple decades. Now, if I were to pull this image, I can Google search images all day. Any of us can. But my question is, are you then validating that that image is usable for public, for public use without purchasing or without um, asking for permission. This particular one, I was able to pull from a Creative Commons space. So that's one safe place to go when you're looking for imagery to use online. And when I say imagery to use online, many different things here. This could be your advertising. This could be content that you're creating for your social media platforms. This can be imagery that you want to use on your website. I highly recommend using your own photos if you're able to create your own stock images of your products, your business, your service offerings. And again, if you happen to have a business where you might want to use images of customers uh, or even your employees, you need to get there. Okay, you need to have some kind of. Um, either agreement that they write off or that they sign off on or some kind of disclaimer when you are taking images at an event, for example. Um, This happens a lot at different events. They will let all of the attendees know that pictures are going to be taken and these pictures will be used uh, in the future for any kind of marketing and advertising uh, type of collateral Um, And if someone's not okay with that, then they need to come up and say something or they need to be explicit about that with the business. But it's pretty much like we've let you know if we don't hear anything, then you've been warned. But you at least need to have something like that. So if I had found this image just in a basic Google search, which a lot of us, again, can do, and I didn't confirm it was coming from a creative commons space, it was just a random online search then I have no idea if I'm using someone else's original work. um, I'm perhaps not giving them proper credit. Perhaps they wouldn't even allow for their image to be used by our business, even if we were willing to pay. And we have seen uh, absolutely lawsuits come to the table around this. or I should say people getting sued um, around um, not getting proper uh, okay, frankly, from the the either original artist or the original creator this isn't just for images this is for sound as well this is for music as well so you need to ask yourself you know are you validating this image is good for public use if not are you requesting permission to use the image and you might find that the image that you love is just too costly right now for your business or does not make sense um another arena i've seen Some people get hot in hot water is actually businesses that are geared to uh, young kids who provide, for example, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, like costumed characters uh, for birthday parties or events, things like that. You can provide a princess character. You can provide the superhero character. You can provide all of that. But if you were to do a direct copy and say we are providing a Disney, uh, Disney's Cinderella princess or something like that, uh, or Disney's sleeping beauty. If you were to advertise in that way and your, your character, your person who's dressing up is exactly modeling the costuming, the look, the everything from that Disney princess, uh, Disney can come after you for that. You have to actually pay them to be able to utilize that imagery, even in a situation like that, even as a small business. And Disney has a lot of money and a huge team of lawyers who are looking for copyright infringements right and left online. So example there of how that could get you in hot water. And again, this comes into the element of are you being culturally appreciative or exploitative in the images that you're picking online to use as well. And please, please, please remember, if you choose or if you need to use images of children in any of your advertising or in any of your promotions or whatever it may be online, uh, if you are not going to just use stock images or again, Creative Commons space images of children, you really need to get permission and be careful about how you are also showcasing children online. This can be a little bit of a slippery slope. So uh, again, I just say caution. And especially if it's images of kids under the age of 18, well, I guess that would be a kid. (laughs) So anybody under the age of 18, um, again, a lot of times you have to get parental consent to use their images. And there are many times where um, even like a classroom, for example, if you happen to do work and you go and you work with a classroom of kids and you say, hey, I want to take a picture of of the all the class, you know, that just helped to do X, Y, or Z. And then you decide you're going to put that picture up online, excuse me. You need to confirm with the school or with the teacher if those kids, all those kids have waivers um, to have their photos used. Because if not, there are actually uh, many cases of parents who will not allow for their children's image to be used publicly in any of those respects because of um, court cases that are going with another parent, for example. There's even been safety concerns, families who are uh, frankly um, in some kind of hiding and don't want to you know have a kid's image online all of that you know things that we might not think about on the day-to-day but are very much reality for a lot of individuals you need to be willing to take those considerations into account also and i've touched on this a lot already but what is your messaging and content like online um words and language do have power they have the power to connect us with our desired audiences in authentic ways, or they can really create deep divides. So we need to be very cognizant and very um, intentional about the language that we are using. You know, Do you have any policies or rules, again, around what kind of language can and should be used on your business platforms? How formal or informal are you? Do you allow for certain types of uh, swear words to be used or not? Is that an absolute no? This is again, and almost going right back to the beginning of our webinar today, but thinking about how how are you also helping communicate all of this to your employees, to your team? What is that expectation? Also, when you're engaging as the business on others' platforms, meaning you as the business going on and making comments or whatever the case is on um it could be competitors or it could be collaborators platforms as well what is that language like do you, um do you allow for slang i've mentioned swearing a lot but slang um sort of street terms as some would say you know what what is the level of language in that arena that you are willing to accept for your brand or that makes sense or is that not allowed either also how transparent are you with how you use um, not only your customers information but how transparent are you about your business and your business model and um, across the board how you make decisions all of that i think it's important um, especially in our era for customers to feel that they can trust your brand and transparency is a huge piece of that but Of course, you want to protect your intellectual property as well. So there's a bit of a line there. But you can still be honest and transparent with with also protecting your intellectual property. Again, don't have to pull up with bullying or abuse yourself. Uh, Don't get into the comment wars. um, But uh, you still can manage those situations in a way that it hopefully doesn't really blow up on your end. And then also in the space, I think you need to really think about, and this might be something you have to discuss with your team even and to get input. But when do you take a stand on issues and why? In this past year, we have definitely seen businesses, organizations uh, across industries have to figure out how are they going to respond to the social unrest that we have been experiencing as a country? what kind of statements are they going to put out publicly this also goes back to almost even our examples at the beginning with our costco and with our chipotle examples of are you going to try and just maintain sort of what is an average expectation of response or a minimum expectation of response or do you want to do something more um And also know that when you do respond to issues like societal issues at hand or something, you are making a statement about your business and brand's value system. And you can never make everyone happy in the public space. So regardless of what you put out or don't, frankly, um, we saw businesses receive negative backlash because they chose not to publish some kind of statement about the social unrest. So know that even without a response, if you just say, "Okay, I'm going to try to stay quiet and see if this is going to pass. Right. If I can weather this storm without maybe having to get in the midst of it, um, you still might get some backlash. You still might have people calling you out and unhappy with with the lack of response. So with that, my point is, again, you cannot make everyone happy. You will probably lose Customers one way or the other, but you'll also probably gain customers one way or the other So what's most important is that anything that you put out in messaging and content or response to? Social issues, etc. Any statements that you make Have to align with your brand and your brand's values and you need to be willing and able to back up those words So be really aware I would say of why you are making certain statements um, this is a challenge I pose to uh, a lot of companies or businesses that are also putting out, for example, uh, equity statements now or equity definitions or visions around that. Um, they are going to be called out. How were those created? What was the intention around them? Where did it come from, right? The creation of that particular definition. And if the company is not able to back it all up, if there's just sort of like, oh, someone said we should have this or saw it online somewhere and it seemed to be good. So, you know, we went ahead and adopted it without really any other thought process, then that probably won't bode well as well. But um, I again, I'm not here to tell you what to do or what to say, per se, for your particular business, maybe lack of response in a certain moment is the right thing for you to do. My point here for you is just that you can back it up and that you are comfortable and feel it does align with the brand and that even if you were to maybe lose some customers because of what you stated, you would still feel good about your position. Now also, this falls into just how you sell and advertise, which I've already touched on quite a bit actually so I won't belabor this but I just want to be sure to have everyone keep in mind that you want to be upfront online about associated fees return policies all of those kinds of things Um, when you're selling to your customers you know again I I cannot drive the point home enough um, about the importance of really being intentional about imagery and messaging and content creation for all of the reasons we've already mentioned here. Uh, Do you make it easy for people to cancel subscriptions or memberships or do you bury those options somewhere online? Uh, is it a frustrating exercise or fairly straightforward? All of this plays into how much people inevitably feel they can trust your brand, how reliable you are, uh, how responsible you are for guarding their interests. Um, do you allow people to opt in and out, opt out once again of being contacted in any way? And a lot of this is automatically part of new platform setups these days. But there's always ways that you can make things more or less clear for your customers online and I would recommend you make it as easy a lift as possible for your customers and be as transparent as you possibly can and again ensure you're very clear on what your values are as a business and everything that you put out aligns to those values so lastly just remember Everything online is really just an extension of our regular lives. It can be very easy to hide behind a screen and to hide behind a keyboard. We continue to see that happening right and left. The challenge I pose to you as business owners and entrepreneurs is to, frankly, um, have a higher expectation for your own activity online and to not get into those types of comment thread battles and all of that, because in the end, it just... It just normally really negatively impacts our our business and our brand. Uh, Also, be very clear about your why when you take a public stance on something. Uh, Again, no matter your perspective. And I think we can pull examples from recent times um, in both ways. Uh, Nike, for example, is a big one right now because of their support of Colin Kaepernick um, and continuing to work with Colin Kaepernick. It's actually done them really well in terms of how it's impacted their bottom line. But yeah, they had negative backlash and they had people saying that they're no longer going to buy their shoes and they were really disappointed in Nike and all of that. But they stood by They stood by uh, what he stands for. Um, They feel it supports their value system, uh, but it also supports their bottom line, (laughs) let's be honest. Um, and then we also see, you know, examples like, for example, uh, the bakery that wouldn't uh, bake a cake, for example, for a same-sex wedding. And they were destroyed online and um, also got a lot of support online, but also were were pretty negatively impacted. Um, but they continued, right? They they stuck by that stance. They're not the only entity that has made a stance like that as well. Um, and they were willing to take the fallout. Um Some businesses like that have survived, others not so much. Also, as the business owner, whether we like it or not, and I'm a business owner as well, so I'm in the midst of this, you are your brand, you are connected to your business. Even if you say something personally on a personal page, it's going to resonate back to the business, whether you like it or not. And uh, this, frankly, isn't anymore the case just if you're a small business. We see this happening in even big corporations, right, where leadership or a leader or a founder might be... Uh, now taking a certain political stance or whatever the case may be. And they might not even be directly tied to the business as much anymore, but the public doesn't know that the public doesn't see that. And so there's still a negative backlash. And also when in doubt, take a breath, stop, step back and see if your post or your content, your messaging, your advertising is respectful, responsible, aligns with the brand, the values, and of course is not violating any laws or another's rights. All seems pretty straightforward, but very easy, very easy to forget um, or to make missteps in the online space if we're not being very intentional. So I recommend here, again, documentation is key. Write down what are your expectations for not only yourself but employees in the space. And when in doubt, take a breath, step back, do a little bit more research um, before publishing anything online. If you would like more information about our other webinars we have another one today around accounting i believe as well as this particular one in spanish language again in about an hour at noon please feel free to check out our website at prestamosloans.org And the number you see on screen is our Phoenix office if you are interested in calling to learn about any financing needs. But I wish you all well. I haven't seen any questions pop up, so I just kept going. Um, But if you do have any questions or anything, feel free to add them now. Otherwise, we will go ahead and wrap up today. Uh, I do wish you all well in your online journeys. And again, I just encourage everyone to remember that If it's online, it's going to be there probably forever. (laughs) So be sure whatever you put out, um, even if it comes back to you a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, you'll still be able to, for the most part, back it up. And I know that can seem like a big thing (laughs) to swallow, but um, hopefully it isn't uh, too overwhelming. Beautiful. Thank you, Sharon. We're going to revamping the website. So excellent. Yes. Beautiful. And again, if you want any more detailed information or maybe even want some consulting support for your particular, uh, your particular situation, um, then please check out our website. We do have a number of different programs now that we can provide even some technical assistance some consulting support, even if you do not have funding through us. So, uh, I still highly recommend checking it out and good luck. All right, have a great rest of your day, everyone. And on that note, we'll go ahead and sign out on time. (laughs) Take care.